From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. Welcome once again to Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages from the ministry of Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is preaching a series of studies in the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled, Never Cast Out. The text is John 6 and verse 37. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Is there any instance of our Lord's casting out a coming one? If there be so, we would like to know of it. But there has been none, and there never will be. Among the lost souls in hell, there is not one that can say, I went to Jesus, and he refused me. It is not possible that you or I should be the first to whom Jesus shall break his word. Let us not entertain so dark a suspicion. Suppose we go to Jesus now about the evils of today. Of this we may be sure. He will not refuse us audience or cast us out. Those of us who have often been... And those who have never gone before, let us go together, and we shall see that he will not shut the door of his grace in the face of any one of us. This man receiveth sinners, but he repulses none. We come to him in weakness and sin, with trembling faith and small knowledge and slender hope. But he does not cast us out. We come by prayer and that prayer broken, with confession, and that confession faulty, with praise, and that praise far short of his merits. But yet he receives us. We come diseased, polluted, worn out, and worthless. But he doth in no wise cast us out. Let us come again today to him who never casts us out. The cross upon which Jesus died is a shelter in which we can hide, and its
As we contemplate the beginning of a new year, believers in Jesus Christ look forward to going on with God in their Christian lives. An indispensable part of that is the regular study of the Bible. The psalmist said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. The first psalm reminds us that the blessed man's delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law he meditates day and night. In order to help believers maintain a consistent and organized way of reading the Bible, Let the Bible Speak offers an excellent plan of reading that will allow God's people to read through the entire Scriptures once in two years, as well as the Psalms and the New Testament twice. Included with this reading plan is a list of some of the words found in the authorized version that may be unfamiliar to modern readers. To obtain your copy of a Bible word list and daily reading plan, free of charge, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Hayward Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of A Bible Word List, and we'll be happy to provide it. today's edition of Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues his series of studies in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 15, verse 26, and chapter 16, verse 14, the Lord Jesus Christ explained to his disciples that the chief function of the Holy Spirit is to testify of Christ. In the previous broadcast, Dr. Cairns referred to Peter's testimony that the Spirit of Christ moved upon the prophets as they penned the Old Testament scriptures, demonstrating that Christ is the key to the Old Testament, just as he is to the New Testament. In John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11, the Lord Jesus declared the Spirit's work in convicting the ungodly of their sin. His work in believers is to show them Christ and what they have in him. Now Dr. Cairns continues this message on the witness of the Spirit. We've read already in John's Gospel 15, verse 26, The words of the Lord Jesus, when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. 
Now the force of the words is the witness of the Spirit to God's people. I will send the Spirit to you and he shall witness. He shall testify obviously to you concerning me. We turn over to the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and uh, in verse 15. 10th chapter of Hebrews and verse 15. Whereof the Holy Ghost is a witness to us. Now I'm not wanting at this point in time to go into the context in Hebrews 10. That would take us too far afield. He's speaking of the once for all sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ and its perfect effects as ordained of God in the lives of the people of God. And he says, of these things, the Holy Spirit is a witness to us. We turn over to 1 John chapter 5 and in verse 6, we read, this is he that came by water and blood even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Look at verse 9, and you'll see to whom this witness is given. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. If we receive, obviously the witness of the Spirit is to the people of God. Now, at this point, I don't want to go into these texts any more fully. The content of the Spirit's witness, as they describe it, is the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm leaving that for the moment because that is going to have to be the subject of a message in its own right. It's much, much too large to be brought down to sub-point one of point one of one message. It can't be done. Let me get this just as a general statement of fact, however, that the great substance of the witness of the Holy Spirit is the glory of the person of Jesus Christ. The great subject upon which the Holy Spirit witnesses to his people is who Christ is, what Christ has done. And I want to make this absolutely clear that where this is not the subject of any pulpit ministry, you can say the Holy Spirit is to that extent absent from that ministry. This is something that's so basic and yet we need to get it. People imagine today that when the Holy Spirit is in a meeting and the Holy Spirit is in control of a man's ministry, uh, that uh, he nearly becomes a clairvoyant. That's the evidence of the Spirit. That, uh, as the charismatics say, he has certain words of knowledge. I'm not getting into that. I tried even to expound it at this time. Uh, but uh, their stabs in the dark are usually of such a nature that they really can't very well go wrong. 
Somebody out there in my audience of four and a half million has cancer. I think that's a fairly good message. I think that's fairly good. A lot of word of knowledge there. Somebody else has a headache and is going to feel better. Yes, I think you can generally take in a large audience like that. This is supposedly the evidence of the Spirit's working. Again, people think that a hyper-emotionalism is the great evidence of the Spirit working. Do not misunderstand me. When the Holy Ghost comes down especially, and we see that in a, a later study, in revival power and revival fullness, there will be a sweeping emotionalism. I am far from advocating a cold, mechanical brand of Christianity. God save us from it. My friend, I tell you this. The great mark of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is that he exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks of his glory. He speaks of his agony. He speaks of his finished work. He points to his blood atonement. He draws man to Jesus Christ. And where Jesus Christ is not the very heart and substance of a man's ministry or a church's ministry, it can lay little or no claim to the personal involvement and activity of God, the Holy Spirit. His content in his witness is Christ. I'm going to leave that aspect of the subject, except to hammer home this point, that the Holy Spirit of God uses the Word of God to witness to His people of Christ and the Gospel. Remember those letters from Christ to the churches in Asia Minor, Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Remember that the Lord Jesus ended each letter, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. The Spirit is witnessing to the churches. How is he witnessing to the churches? He is witnessing to the churches through this written word of God. The Lord Jesus has just given epistles to the churches. His inspired word through John the Apostle. And he is saying, let everyone who has an ear open to what God has to say, let him hear what the Spirit is saying through the written word of God to the churches. The great ministry of the Holy Spirit, therefore, is to take God's written word and through that word speak of Christ to his church. Remember Paul's first great item for prayer for the Ephesian Christians. I may bore some people who listen to me very regularly because this is a text I quote almost ad nauseam. If you don't know what that means, you're maybe better not knowing. But uh, I love it. I think it's one of the most important verses in the Bible, Ephesians 1 and 17. Paul was praying for the church in Ephesus. Remember, it was in Ephesus that Paul had fought with wild beasts, as he called them. The church was in danger. There was much opposition. This was the center of the worship of Diana. 
There were many things for which Paul could have prayed for the church at Ephesus. No doubt they needed money. No doubt they needed more people. No doubt they needed many, many things. But what was the very first thing for which he prayed? That God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. The most important thing for any Christian, the most important thing, the most pressing need of this church in Greenville, that God would give us the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation in the full knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is the witness of the Spirit to the people of God to take this word and to lead us into the full knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is God's witness to God's people. This is the first aspect of the Spirit's witness. As I say, we return to the ramifications of that in later messages. The moment he reveals the truth of the gospel and he produces trust in the gospel. As First John 5 and verse 13 makes very clear, these things have I written unto you that believe in the name of uh, the Son of God. Why does he write them? He writes them that you may indeed be assured that you may have an absolute trust grounded in Jesus Christ. So the Spirit's witness is key to Christian. Second aspect of his witness is with the Christian. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 16. The 8th chapter of Romans, the 16th verse. Maybe to get the full sense, we'll read uh, a verse or so beforehand. Verse 14. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the Son of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Verse 16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, very obviously, we're dealing here with the subject of the believer's assurance of his salvation. He bears witness with our spirit, and what does he bear witness? That we are the children of God. There's a lot of controversy about this text. That's always the case when you come to a great text of Scripture. And there are certain very famous and otherwise very sound expositors I think, who evacuate the text of something of its meaning. They tell us that our own spirits witness that we are the sons of God, and the very fact that they do so is a proof 
that it is the Holy Spirit moving them so to witness. Now there may be some truth in that. But that's not what Paul is saying. He's speaking of something much greater. He's speaking of a joint witness of the Holy Spirit. Our spirits bear witness that we are the sons of God. And the Holy Spirit comes conjointly and bears witness with our spirits, confirming that we are the sons of God. I believe that this is the highest form of assurance that a Christian can have that he's truly saved. Let me try just to fill in the biblical doctrine of assurance. Uh, again, I can only sketch this. It's not the subject for me this morning. But to make sense of this text, there are three basic ways in which a Christian can have assurance that he sees. First of all, he has the assurance of the written word of God. Let me turn you again to that verse that I made passing reference to a moment ago. 1 John 5 and verse 13. These things have I written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I want you to see what he's saying. These people believed on the name of the Son of God. Now, believers are saved. So we say, scripturally, these are saved people. But John is saying, I have written unto you who are believers in order that you may know, in order that you may have absolute assurance of possessing eternal life, and in order that you may believe. I write to believers that faith may be deepened and increased, and that you may know. Now, this is a good basis for knowing yourself. The Bible says it, therefore, it's true. I remember when God used that form of assurance in my own life as a young believer, having struggled through doubts and fears and troubles and trials, almost to the point of distraction, I remember when the Lord brought my heart at about 3 a.m. on the first day of February, 1958. Maybe giving away that I have been around longer than I look, but uh, uh, there, in an all-night of prayer, God brought my heart to John 6 and 37. I had many fears, many concerns, many doubts, many troubles. But the witness of God's word is, Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Now what a day that was. When the word of God gripped the heart. And I could say I am saved because the Bible says it. Lord, I'm not depending on the words that I prayed or now pray. I'm not depending on the feelings that I have had or now have. I'm coming on the basis of the word of God. You say, him that cometh I will in no wise cast out. Lord, I come. 
<coughs> in all my needs, I come. You say, you will not cast me. Bless God, that's a solid ground of assurance. For God cannot lie. Man, make sure you have the Bible as the basis of your hope for heaven. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 